Hello, and thank you for coming to Geek Sweat. This is your podcast for reviews, news, and interviews on all things film and about filmmaking. Geek Sweat is an instigate in-house podcast project in collaboration with independent filmmakers to support emerging talent, discuss new creative projects, identify technical equipment, and meet experts. Today, we are being controlled by the incomparable MKH, with our presenters, Akash Bolf, myself, Dominic Stinton, your host, Trevor Jones, and we're joined today by a very special guest in our house today. Please welcome... Ross Lindgren. invited Ross to attend our Geek Sweat podcast today is he is part of a new wave of filmmaker entrepreneurs and we'd like to find out more about what he does, how he does it and where he does it. So welcome to Geek Sweat Ross. Thank you, thanks for having me, it's cool to be here. And how do you pronounce your surname because I'm wondering if I'm getting that right. It gets everyone man, so it's pronounced Lindgren. But and is that kind of like Scandinavian? It's Swedish. No one knows anyone in my family that's Swedish. My theory is that somebody way, way down in the generations like bought the name yeah. and, and exchanged it for like a much more embarrassing name. Oh, that's amazing. So, <laughs> I, I don't know where it's come from, but it's, it does the trick. People mess it up, though. I get Long Green. That's yeah. quite a common one I get. Landgren. Um, are people kind of tempted to go for the obvious one, like Dolph Lundgren? Yeah, see, I well. get that quite a bit, and he's, yeah. a, he's a cool guy, so I kind of, yeah. I'm okay with that. But it's not Lundgren, unfortunately. Yeah. If it was, I could do the whole Dolph Lundgren's my uncle thing. Have you ever thought... <laughs> I think that's the thing. Have you ever thought about just putting the umlauts over one of the vowels just to confuse people? I've, I mean, I've thought about it. Yeah. Not for a long time, but okay. briefly. Well, um, what I'd like to say specifically is, who are you and... Where are you when it comes to uh, films and filmmaking? Cool. Okay. Uh, I'm Ross. Mm. Um, I'm a filmmaker, entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I came from a filmmaking background, so I kind of spent years in film working at the low level. So started out kind of running, PAing, PMing on loads of different kinds of productions. So started out in kind of really low budget, horrible music videos. Did you ever study before that? Or were you just walking onto a set one day and think, I'll have a bit of that? So it's, it's interesting. So I never studied film. Um, a lot of people that I meet in film, they say, did you study film? And I didn't. I actually studied business. But right. I got into filmmaking just whilst I was at university. I knew a bunch of people that were studying film. I also knew a bunch of musicians. And I just started kind of middlemanning them for music videos because okay. all these dope musicians that all needed videos got all these dope filmmakers that don't have anything to shoot. Yeah. Um, so I just started kind of helping them make stuff. And then I realized that there's a name for that, which is a producer. So I started calling myself a producer and producing music videos. You don't hear people wanting to nominate themselves as a producer many times in England. Everyone wants to be a director. Everyone wants to be a DOP or a camera operator or uh, even an actor, actress, a talent. But that P word is almost as getting as bad as the F word. Like You just don't say it in public because people start looking at you in a different way. Is that something that you were aware of? It's something I wasn't aware of it. I definitely am aware of it now. It's that thing when you say I produce mm. and suddenly it's like, oh, well, I've got a script for a short. I've got this thing. I've got that thing, which yeah. is, is fine. But, yeah. you know, often is the case, yeah. especially when you're kind of at the, the earlier stages of the career, when you're yeah. getting big, ambitious shorts thrust on you with no yeah. money. And it's kind of like this is just. Uh, and everyone thinks that shadow behind you is like just covering up like vast wads of cash. Yeah. In Swiss bank accounts. and stuff Yeah, like exactly. That. If only. And well, the, the thing I'm interested in as well is um, because you said that you didn't study uh, particularly for film. So, mm. what kind of qualification or degree did you have at the time when you were thinking I'm going to cross over into this filmmaking world? I mean, I never really had any. It was quite a natural progression because all the time through uni, when I was studying business, I was mm. just making films, I'm making music videos, producing music videos. What type of business was you studying? just straight up business management okay um so i mean i don't know how interesting it'd be to your listeners so i won't touch on it for too long but business management is just very broad it's not high tech new facebook kind of stuff it's like how yeah like how did henry ford set up a factory which might not surprise you but isn't very useful these days unless you want to set up a car manufacturing facility yeah in 1908 which isn't very good but the thing is henry ford i mean i've recently been told that he was actually a big supporter of the nazis but he's 
didn't know that. Um, I think it's probably because of the era that he came yeah. out in the nineteen thirties. But he um, he was uh, a guy who invented that kind of conveyor belt system and yeah. redesigned how people looked at uh, production management and workflow. Mm-hmm. And coming from that background and going into film, have you noticed that there's any lack at all in terms of the way people perpetually produce films? I think there is. I think the biggest thing that I noticed when I got into film from you know studying business and, and starting to learn what a producer was and doing that, it was just a case of just getting stuff done. And I think that there's definitely a massive clash between um, creative people and production people that just want to get stuff done. And I think you know that middle ground is where really great stuff happens where mm. you know you've you've got creatives that have this grand vision sometimes unrealistic sometimes very realistic and then the producer who is just let's just make a film and get this done yeah. and is i to me it's all about finding that little sweet spot in between where you can make something that's really ambitious and creative but actually make something and not just be yeah. you know kicking kicking a script around for four years that never right. gets made and stuff so i mean it's very interesting that you broke down those two key ingredients i mean because you're laughing but i'm thinking um Having a producer who wants to get something done and having a creative who uh, has something to make, isn't that like the simple cereal that everyone wants for breakfast when it comes to making films? It is, yeah, but I think there's just there's a lot of nuance in there about the kind of um, the kind of films that that can be made. Mm. And I think that it's you know a producer you just want something like that's that's very easy to make. Mm. Um, you know, you look at something like Whiplash. Yeah. Originally, at least the short that it was based on, kind of a lot of it's taking place in a classroom, and it's yeah. kind of really simple. But it's all about the story and the emotion. And it, it depends what kind of filmmakers you're speaking to. But you get a lot of people that you know write these. The first script that they write is a short, and it's like yeah. it's based in this sci-fi universe where there's mm. flying cars and giant monsters, and it's yeah. just like as a producer, you look at it and you're just like, oh, how how do how I do this? The eyes yeah. closed, the sweat starts coming down the forehead and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean yeah. the thing is, the Whiplash story is quite interesting because that film came out in 2014, and I think it won an Oscar a year or a year and a half later. But I think that was a film that was based on one scene uh, initially between the drummer and the teacher and um, how producers responded to the performance. And I think they actually managed to, I'm not sure if it was a short play first, and then they hired J.K. Simmons just to do the teaser scene. And then J.K. Simmons, was na- his name was attached to that film thereafter, and the producers were seeing what he could do with an actor. But um, yeah, it's a long journey, uh, is what I'm trying to say. And it doesn't, it, it sometimes needs to be broken down into what can we get done rather than what is the ideal world scenario but um one other thing i'd like to ask before i throw it over to akosh and dom um where can people find what you're actually before we get into where people can find what you're doing what was your first experience of doing a film production okay yeah so um uh, yeah doing an actual film production like i say i was doing a lot of music videos um which i don't know if anyone here or anyone out there works on or does a lot of music videos are quite hard work often very ambitious ideas for not a lot of money but you know a lot of people now making really cool narrative music videos so i kind of cut my teeth making cool narrative story driven ideas but in music video um and then the first kind of actual film that i made um kind of narrative film short film called a monster called charles which was a kind of um it was one of those kind of stories that was very much on the side of being almost too ambitious to make we had to build this big kind of animatronic monster wow. um and a lot of the budget went on that but um that was kind of for the f- a music video oh no so that that was the first short film that i got so we got some okay. funding through a few different bodies we got a little bit of lottery funding for that as well which was handy who were the bodies that you got funding from if you don't mind me asking? Uh, so it was the Su- sutton council i believe okay. i i'm gonna kind of i can't remember exactly the yeah the details so um they basically the director yeah. was kind of involved in a, a program that takes young people in, in Sutton and teaches okay. them about filmmaking. So they actually funded part of the film. So it was like a cocktail funding, like you was looking at different sources and think, hey, we need this target. We can't get yeah. it on its on, from one source. Let's try three or four different ways we can bring the money together. Exactly, and a lot of the filmmakers put their own money into it. But sure. um, yeah, so as part of that, because they funded it, 
um, mm. in order to support young people getting into film. Mm. We had kind of a student shadow each member of the crew. Yeah. So it was a pro crew, but you know the AD had like a junior AD that was a 15 year old student shadowing them, trying to learn about getting into the industry. So it was like work experience. Yeah, totally. So we got some funding based on that, which was really cool. Um, and yeah, like I say, everyone puts some money in, I put some money in, and yeah. just made it happen. So that was my kind of. Uh, big experience of narrative stuff yeah really taught me about making films at a higher scale with you know big big at least to me at the time crews of like 20 30 people um and then from that started making more bigger music videos with bigger budgets um but obviously that comes with its own challenges and that's kind of a few other things happened before i got into corporate filmmaking where i kind of really was able to get my business flourishing okay cool so have you guys got any questions? And, and do you have any new writing screenplays or directing or, or just a producing part? For me personally? Yeah. Uh, at the moment, I just produce stuff. I mean, I'm more... So I'm more on the business side now, so I'm, I would probably say I'm more exec producing, I guess you could say. Um, so just for some more context, so kind of off the back of those creative projects, started a corporate production company, which kind of formed the basis of a lot of the work that I do now and, and sort of over time I made that production company sort of a lot more focused and was able to grow it grow the business get full-time staff have quite a specific niche that I was working in um, so we don't really do anything creative anymore I personally have kind of long-term ambitions of maybe writing something like years down the line but I'm kind of focused on the business at the moment so cool. so um, what kind of advice would you give to someone who want, had a short film that they'd written and they wanted to get it made I mean what channels can somebody with zero contacts approach that by Ooh, short films are tough um, short films are in- incredibly tough I mean I, I don't really I don't really know I'm all about kind of shortcuts and creative ways of doing things uh, I personally would say that it might be controversial but short films as a format um, it's it's very tricky to to kind of get what you want out of it. I mean, my macro view would be to ask a filmmaker, what is it you want to achieve by creating the short? Is it that you want exposure? Is it that you want to win a big award? Because though that's completely, I mean, the you know Oscar for short film this year went to Silent Child, British film, yeah. wasn't on a huge budget. Mm-hmm. Um, Last year was a Hungarian. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's doable. Big up Hungary <laughs> and Akos' clan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would say ask yourself what it is you want to achieve by doing that. If, if you want to make tons of money doing it, that's not yeah. possible. Yeah. Well, if you win the Oscar, it is. But you know, if yeah. if um if that's, that's your a goal, long journey to win the Oscar, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's not just like something that happens overnight success. But also, I mean, you know, there's a lot of considerations as far as you know, is it a story that's personal to you that you want to tell? Mm. You've got to tell a certain kind of story if you want to win an Oscar for mm. a short film. Yeah. I mean, if you, there's quite clear patterns that you can see if you go and look at all the films that have won mm. the sh- short film Oscar, and if you're not making those kind of films, then you're going to struggle so you know if you're just trying to get exposure for your work as a director it's almost not worth doing a short film and you know spending more time doing music videos or even web series youtube content if you can come up with smart ideas of things that you can do episodic you know really shortcuts of things that are well shot and really well made that can be a better route so my more macro advice would be ask yourself what it is you want to achieve but then more specifically i mean i think as far as getting funding for for short films it's hard because everybody wants to do it. There's not a lot of easy routes out there. My personal approach would be do some do some corporate work, make some money so that you've got enough yourself to fund your own short film. Then you don't have to listen to what anyone says. Then you don't have to take any input. You don't have to go around pitching. Because if your thing is making great films, you should go and make films for money and then make the films that you love as opposed to spending you know months of your time going out pitching people. If you're a filmmaker why would you spend your time pitching that's a a business guy's job so do what you love and spend your time doing it um so what what genre of film is most desirable for you to work on me personally yeah yeah so i mean i've got a corporate production company so my company's called uni shoots we make corporate films for universities we're very specifically targeted in that market yeah um my belief is that kind of we really give universities a voice that is young and interesting and we make them films that we feel like young people want to see and actually tell an interesting story about university that aren't just dull films um and what i've really tried to do is kind of apply the things that i've learned and the things that my team have learned you know making creative films to a specific market that i think we know about um so for me the kind of stuff that i make at the moment it's all kind of corporate and 
um, roughly what's the, the length of each video that you produce for the universities at the moment? Generally, we try and stick people to about two, three minutes. People don't have the attention spans for, for long films anymore, and unfortunately, um, especially... You YouTube know, did that. Yeah, you, uh, it's, it's YouTube, Instagram as well. I mean, the, the interesting thing about YouTube is that at the moment, the YouTube algorithm is really pushing people that are going to 10 minutes, yeah. which is they're going longer because more and more people are listening to podcasts on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was once a time when YouTube just wanted views. And yeah. if it was a one minute video, as long as it was getting tons of views, they didn't care. Yeah. But now they want watch time. So, you know, if you can create an hour long podcast, that's going to keep people for an hour. They'd much prefer that than a one minute vine. It feels like they're now saying, please don't go over and share this on Facebook. Because we'll never see you again. Oh, 100%. Cause, yeah. Because there is a thing called freebooting where so I think if you can share content on Facebook, those views never count on YouTube again. But um, I, I'm very interested in, in what you said because um, just hearing you talk, um, two or three things are coming to my mind, which is one, um, with your producer head on, is there this issue where filmmakers or modern filmmakers are not asking all of the questions they need to ask before they make a film? Hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of very, I'm all about asking the right questions. You know, like when people say, "How can I make this film? How should I make this short film?" It's like, what do you want? What do you actually want to get out of it? Like, mm. think about what your goals are. If mm. your goals are, I want to win an Oscar for best feature, mm. then maybe you need to make three features yeah. that are geared up towards yeah. winning an Oscar. If yeah. you want to make, you know, feature length comedy films with yeah. Seth Rogen, yeah. go and make hilarious videos on YouTube. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot of big people that are doing big things at the moment that was yeah. doing messing around doing sketches on YouTube. I mean, Donald Glover was doing um, stuff on YouTube yeah, before I think he, was he was doing, doing his big uh, stuff. Well, I can't remember if it was Comedy Central, not Comedy Central. He had a kind of a comedy crack zone where it's like him and a couple of university friends were making like short viral videos and like four or five of them came really big because I remember he did a piss take on Memento where it was about the twist is like he has to write tattoos of the in the film that he's got right tattoos of what's happened but basically it's the idea that the video game sucking a dick isn't a video game or something like that but it's really clever when you see it played out but um and then there's the black peter pan that he did and you're thinking i could have come up with that idea as you're watching it and then now he's doing something like this is america yeah yeah which is 45 million views and he's on saturday night live specials and stuff so i'm thinking he's got a very steep career progression from being let's say youtube internet famous to um doing his films and tv show but he was had a lot of fires in the iron even when he wasn't really well known wasn't it yeah totally i mean i think there's no clear pathway anymore i mean he's a great example because that's like he was doing stuff on youtube use that to kind of get a writing job on he was writing on 30 rock Rock. yeah yeah yeah. and then kind of off the back of that got his own stuff got into comedy so it kind of it's it's a you know the way that you can progress to the top yeah. now it's just it's not how it used to be and there's a lot of weird different ways of doing it yeah. so that's why i say you know think about what it is that you want to achieve it's not always clear but yeah. there's there's different ways you can go about it because there's another there's another thing that question that almost comes up to me with more of an exclamation mark are filmmakers not looking at the projects that they engage with with the right sense of scale in terms of loads of people want to do web series but they might have to say well this web series is only going to get this audience with this budget that I've got with this crew that I've got I should only spend like two or three months on it and then move on to the next project rather than spend the, a year to try and make this happen because I'm not seriously thinking about where the funding's coming from so do, 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 does filmmake, do filmmakers have a real sense of, of scale I think something really interesting comes up from that statement is I think generally people especially filmmakers um, spend too long on stuff just in general I think okay. it's it's so easy even if your idea is amazing it's very easy to mm. you know overstate how good your idea is and want to spend six months you know, nine months 12 months developing yeah. these ideas mm. and and actually you know this definitely comes from the kind of startup tech business mentality mm. of work out a way that you can make it this week like if you have this amazing idea for a short film that you think is going to be the next big thing and win the Oscar don't mm. sit on it for an entire year mm. try and find a way of making a really cheap dirty just funny version of it in, mm. in one minute Mm. Uh, you know make it over a weekend create a one minute thing on youtube facebook put it up wherever and see what the response is and go from there you know it's possible that your idea might suck it's possible your idea might be amazing but you don't know until you do little bits of it and that's how things get done these days you know 
10, 20 years ago, for sure, it, mm. you know, you, you have an amazing idea, you hold on to it, you keep it secret, and you make it for 12 months. But mm. it's easy to make stuff that's pretty decent on a very short time frame now, sure. and it's very easy to throw stuff up and get feedback about it. So mm. I, I think people will just, in general, wait too long to to get their ideas out, get them in front of people in a you know in a down dirty way that's not the grand vision that you've got in your head but you know that that comes over time you know again whiplash is not a perfect example but it's an example of you know yeah make a small version of it could expand into a big version of it ended up being good another example started off of a 20 minute short just two people in a room and i think it was the director and the eventual actor who became the writer who were the main cast members they took it to hollywood not hollywood i think cans they got a film deal and they turned that half an hour film into a 90 minute film because they used the exposition as the way of introducing new characters. But um, what I want to do is I want to read a quote off the internet and I want Sweet. you to tell me where it's going to come from. Oh, okay. Um, are you a broke filmmaker with no idea about getting clients, doing business or making money? Then this group is for you. Where does that come from? I like that quote. That quote comes from me. Quote comes from my group, Film Meets Business, um, which, as has just been said, it's kind of a destination for filmmakers to come, learn about business, learn about marketing, and just kind of get an idea of how you can make money out of making films. Because I kind of have a, you know, a somewhat successful corporate film business now. Mm. I struggled for years and years making films for no money, no budget, having a really bad time just getting screwed around by a lot of different people, having a great time, but also just not being able to make a living. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as the university cushion ended and mm. he didn't have a loan to buy food with, it was like, oh, I need to get people to give me money for films. Yeah. How do I do that? So it's really just a place where I kind of share a lot of my knowledge, stuff mm. that I've learned. I write articles, I do live streams, videos, and just talk about what I'm up to, how I've turned my filmmaking career into a business where I can actually have a salary mm. off making films, like mm. actually hire staff to work on these films for me um so it's it's a really great place i think if you're a filmmaker and you're struggling and you're trying to work out how you can mm. actually make something out of what you're doing if you're at that early stage it's a perfect mm. place for you to come and learn stuff i mean you've made some really bold statements on uh, this website which uh sorry not website on this uh platform which is on facebook and you've reached a thousand views a thousand uh sorry members now. yeah so you kind of like the room's full until somebody drops out or dies so, of it. so I actually changed that um, okay. yeah, yeah so what I was originally doing I was just having it as, as a thousand people yeah. um, and then it was like, going to be like a one in one out system because you'd reached a milestone that you set for yourself yeah so the idea of that was and I've been open about this was for the Facebook algorithm because mm. they, they will basically show your posts to more people depending yeah. on the general engagement in a group sure. so the idea was to kind of kick out people that aren't engaging and just keeping the people that are engaging more mm. but um, I've got a mentor that runs kind of a, a big group that's more specific towards marketing that's got you know much more he's about nine thousand members in his group um and he he kind of told me that um basically there's just kind of different different ways of going about it and he said that the best thing to do is actually to keep it growing keep the numbers growing but get rid of people that aren't engaging but not to necessarily limit myself um purely because and i can talk about the facebook algorithm a little bit more but um because if you are having hundreds of people trying to apply to be in a group and then you're not servicing them, Facebook can also see that as you're Spam you're not active. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 on like 1,100 now. So I, yeah. I mean, I'm still letting people in. We get a good five, ten people applying to be in each day, and I I screen them and I pick people that are actually in the industry. Yeah. I mean, in terms of window shopping, I mean, you make some really bold statements more than other. Uh, Facebook filmmaker groups. I mean, yeah, yeah. you're saying stuff where it's like £100,000 in a year selling videos. Bang, that's a title. Yeah. Another title is I cold called 1000 to sell them videos. Another one is a question. I have cl- I have loads of clients. Now what? Yeah. Uh, turn your contact list into cash. Why sleazy salesmen get rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, stalking your clients. Fuck dreams. Set goals. So there's, there's a lot of very provocative yeah. titles there. But what's interesting is you're not just putting a picture up. You're putting like a, a 10 paragraph manifesto underneath each picture. So when people click on it, it's like, this is what I've said in context. This is why I'm saying this in context. What is your purpose or goal with this free um, distribution of information? Totally. So a few things in there. I love making the bold statements. I, mm. you know, I love throwing up stuff like, um, 
you know 100k in a year like that to me that's a big achievement i was able to make 100k in a year out mm. of my out of my corporate film business at yeah. milestone i never thought i would have been able to reach a few years ago yeah. um and i i say that because i want that to kind of inspire other people in film because mm. a couple of years ago i was you know working on film sets barely earning any money yeah. kind of getting a couple of days a week here and there freelancing really struggling really scraping and i was trying to get a job i was trying to get out the industry because mm. i just couldn't make anything out of it yeah. um and I didn't have to. I kind of found ways that I could actually hustle and make my film business work and actually mm. make a living off of my film. So I try and make these bold statements to just grab people's attention and just let them know this stuff's possible. Mm. Um, and I also, I, I like being quite boisterous and fun. I mean, someone I really look up to is Gary Vee yeah. um, on the entrepreneurship front. If anyone knows, doesn't know That's who that is, look Gary him up. Gary Vaynerchuk, who's, um, he was the kind of wine entrepreneur who set up one of the first or earliest wine libraries on the internet like his dad had a a lot of people kind of say he had his dad had a three million dollar business but the issue is that he took that three million dollar business and he didn't crash it but he grew it to a 30 million dollar business by using the internet to create uh i think video clips funny mm -hmm. enough so he got into film uh critiquing wine and a lot of people kind of weren't around thinking people don't go on the internet to buy wine they go into the shops to buy wine but like a year or two years later he's got the only online catalogue of videos that's actually talking about wine and all of a sudden his uh, marketing shot through the roof but now he's doing VaynerMedia mm -hmm. and uh, he's like a big star on Instagram and Twitter now isn't he? Yeah I mean he's a legend he's you know an amazing business figure mm -hmm. he's built up probably one of if not the most impressive personal brand in yeah. business online mm -hmm. and you know the guy speaks everywhere he speaks with everyone and yeah. his whole thing is just being really over the top you know he swears yeah. a lot he does these keynote speeches where yeah. he just doesn't care yeah and he'll just make these bold statements of just like stop watching fucking netflix and do some work and yeah. so i'm kind of channeling my inner gary v with some of my articles i mean i, I kind of like what you said about that because I, I i'm recognizing something here as well and i'm going to throw this out to you guys as well about attention because you for everybody else who hasn't met you you exist on the internet your brand exists on the internet your information ethos exists on the internet so is it palatable or is it useful to be able to find a thing that grabs people's attention because it is like the internet's like got a wave of lots of information and people doing videos i mean how do you guys feel about this akash and Dom? do you do you like people with like attention grabbing titles to kind of get you to pay attention to things sure i like stuff that's brash and bold i mean it does denote a certain confidence and mm yeah that's what you want to see I mean it would be ridiculous to like offer advice and then be really meek and um, yeah. mild absolutely I, mean, I want people to read my advice like I, mm. you know big headed as it is I think my advice is pretty good I think I've been able to turn my film business into something good you know best in class as far as you know a lot of the things that I was doing before and a lot of the people I was working with I've managed to turn it into something really really awesome and you know successful for something at its level you know I'm not anywhere near sort of where I want to be where I want to grow things but um I want people to read my stuff so I put these bold statements I you know I create what I'm tr what is kind of clickbait titles but the information is clear you know when i say i cold called a thousand people yeah. to try and get people to do business with me i actually did that i sat yeah. there and called every day for an entire month between nine to five just making calls so i, mean, I do those things i mean cold calling is like an old school phrase that's been around for years if yeah. anyone knows anything about sales so what i'm ask you is are you with what you know with information technology uh and you growing in that growing up in like the internet almost 2.0 and 3.0 era is it about breaking the system of the media industry and finding a way forward or building on a system that's already there i think it's it's an evolution of the existing system so i mean everything's there's always still going to be production companies there's always still going to be people making videos but the way that people approach these industries is changing a lot and it's evolving yeah. and you know you don't you don't arrange a shoot in the way that you used to arrange a shoot i mean i wasn't around 30 yeah. years ago but yeah. the way that shoot was arranged then and the way shoots arranged now is completely different the kind of kit you're using is different the kind of people that are even on set is different so i think personally it's it's an evolution more than anything how has the evolution changed how filmmakers present themselves and present their content oh that so it's massive i would say i mean i think that you know part of my group often i get people that 
you know so as part of the group we have a welcome page and when you join the group i'll tag you in a post and say welcome to the group this is where you can find out all the information about what we do message me any questions and introduce yourself and a lot of people introduce themselves with their websites you know dops directors people running production companies and a lot of them suck a lot of people post these websites and they're just terrible or they post their show reels and it's just you know really bad it's like take a look at everything this yeah. is my wardrobe. These are all the clothes I wear. Yeah, sort of exactly. And also, you you get that that nasty conundrum which gets people a lot. And I did it myself for a long time. Of okay. I'm director, DOP, producer, writer, mm. gaffer, yeah. and it's kind of a lot of these people's websites. They're not really clear what it is they do. And yeah. I think people need to get better at packaging themselves up as yeah. a sellable product. Yeah. Um, is so, it also that people have a difficulty saying what they want to do next? So they hide behind everything that they've done before, sort of thing. You know what I think it is, it, and it's not. You know, it comes from a good place. It's yeah. it's you're hedging your bets. It's kind of you know okay. you, you don't know how this project's going to go. So it's like you know I DP, but I also direct, and you know you can hire me as either of these things. But I think, mm-hmm. like I say, like with like I said earlier with the shorts, you know, know exactly what it is you want to do. Like yeah. if your goal is direct the the Oscar-winning film mm. in five years' time, yeah. you know, your website should just say director and your work should be yeah. directorial work. Yeah. Um, so should it be more like horoscope star signs where we say we're Capricorn with Aquarius rising as opposed to saying we're Capricorn Aquarius and sometimes a bit of Sagittarius? I, well. Yeah, I think a little bit. Yeah, it's just like it's. I mean, to me, yeah, to me, it's just super. I, I mean, I've I'm into that. I recently read a book called The One Thing, mm. which is just it's all about basically just do one thing. I think um, I bought that book. As well. It's worth a read, definitely um, worth a read. So I'm just going to quote that book, seeing that you just said that. Yeah, yeah. One thing was I'm trying to think who it was by now because I remember it being a yellow book of black writing. Yeah, that's it's it. That's by right. Gary Keller. I yes. think it is. Yeah. Amazing book. Um, okay. And the, the whole ethos of that book is just you know pick your one thing, and you, you know you can change, you can get distracted, you can have different things going on in your life, but the goal is to really just try and focus mm. on one thing, mm. try and have that one goal that you want to achieve. Mm. Um, and you try and direct every action that you do to mm. get there. One thing, I, I mean, I've, I've got so much stuff to ask you. I'm going to try and break down a few more questions. Because cool. um, what I'm starting to notice now is you seem to have a lot of energy. You have a lot of a, a really good vibe. And it seems like the technical expertise isn't as high as I think it is with you. It seems like you spend a lot of time on personal development and philosophical change. Totally. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, totally. This is the thing. So, I mean, I, I almost am apprehensive as describing myself as a filmmaker, even a producer, because my thing is kind of, it's always been putting together good people to get mm. good shit done. Mm. Um, you know, I've got full-time staff. So, you know, when we get a shoot, mm. when we get new clients, You're you know, I, I pitch them and I let them know that, you know, we're the right people for the job, that mm. we can do the kind of work that they want. And then I bring in my kind of videographers, editors in-house mm. who can then make it happen they go and do the shoot and mm. actually make something that's awesome you know mm. i hire good people i pick good people i make sure that their skills are up to the standard and they do the work like i i'm not one to be trusted with a camera yeah. you know i'm not one to be technically doing things or editing i'm quite as gary put v stuff would together. say that's self-awareness yeah exactly and i i do a lot of focus on like you say self-development trying to make sure that you know the business has got a good direction going forward that i'm picking good projects that mm if we're doing things creatively that they're they're on the right track and they're in line with what our goals and our mission is in general um yeah and just trying to get involved with the right things that are getting me towards the stuff that i actually want to achieve with my business and making videos creatively Mm. just yeah doing the right things okay i mean the thing is you mentioned gary v um as uh it feels like a mentor and inspiration and you read gary keller i'm just going to throw this out to you guys at the moment when it comes to your filmmaking uh, ambitions and goals who are your mentors and inspiration where do they come from well as in like um, famous people or people we know personally uh, famous people or either yeah um, that's a good question yeah. um, <laughs> I mean I guess I mean one director I followed really closely was Michel Gondry because okay. I loved the way he started out doing like pop videos and he had like a really DIY aesthetic mm. and then he was able to carry that DIY aesthetic into really quite big budget movies which mm. for me was really exciting yeah how about yourself Akosh <laughs> well uh, uh, I don't know maybe maybe Andre Tarkovsky okay okay um, He's, he's, a, he's very close to me, his visionary things and narrative things. 
maybe. Cool. Also, Stan Lee. Yeah. Stan Lee. Oh, yeah. So, the Marvel guy. Shows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Akos isn't a big fan of Marvel films. <laughs> um, and, it's, um, it's not a good time for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a little bit. A bit full of this yeah. uh, CGI mess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too much for your diet. It's like it's starch or diabetes. Well, didn't um, James Cameron come out the week before the new Avengers and say everyone's got was it Marvel fatigue? The thing is, I the thing pretty spot on. But then, yeah, the, yeah I mean, it's interesting that James Cameron would come out and say that because obviously, there's probably production companies that would be giving him 200 million pounds which are not giving him 200 million pounds because it's obviously going to transform yeah. as Marvel or Justice League he's hating basically yeah. but how about yourself who do you see as um, uh, a good mentor inspiration in terms of film um, I really enjoy feel free to say me at any point <laughs> well I need to see some of your work I know okay, we spoke yeah, about yeah. it but I haven't seen any of it yet yeah thank <laughs> you very much it's existing in the yeah, ether so yeah something. in a vacuum which yeah. is sealed from everyone else. But I really enjoy Kevin Smith. Yeah. Who did um, Dogma. Yeah. And um, Clerks 1 and 2. Yeah. I think he, for me, epitomizes independent filmmaking. Yeah. Because I mean, even uh, from like how he filmed Clerks 1, yeah. which was his friend's shop, and they filmed it over. Uh, the budget was yeah. virtually nothing, and they filmed it over weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's something to. Because the, the thing that I, I want to try and tie together with this is um, with the producer head and the kind of the film crew, technical member head, filmmakers tend to have an idea of a mentor which is almost um, an intangible godlike figure, somebody who's kind of got a legendary status and they haven't got direct input or contact to what they did, how they did it, when they did it, either because it was years ago when they passed away or they just live in a different time frame and they don't divulge information about how they made their, their films. A lot of people say Christopher Nolan is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time and a lot of people who really like Christopher Nolan like his first film following, but they, there's, they don't really know how that film was made. Whereas for you, you seem to pick mentors who aren't readily accessible, they're replying on Instagram, they're replying on YouTube, they're replying on Facebook messages. Do you think that makes a difference to your ability to produce, to be able to have that direct engagement or access to a mentor? I think it, it does a little bit, but also I don't think that it's a kind of... Uh, I don't think it's too limiting um, because I I kind of have a belief in kind of... Having real mentors is great because I've yeah. got people I've worked... So, like, when things really took off for me, I had a mentor called Vincent yeah. um, who's kind of an online marketing expert and just super smart guy oh, say the g word no i'm not saying the g word you not saying the, the g what g word. word i don't know what you're talking about guru i'd stop myself i don't know what that means <laughs> i've never heard that it's not in my vocabulary no it's just disgraceful word yeah. that one no but but really yeah i mean a lot of these guys go by online gurus and yeah. stuff he, he's just like a super genius marketing guy that yeah. just knows how to do it and kind yeah. of the good thing about that is I, i'd never had an actual in-person mentor yeah. formally yeah. um and you know, you have a lot of people that you know in film that you look up to, but yeah. no one from the outside. And he was able to just give me all this advice that was non-film related cool. that I could apply to film. But um, I really believe in having virtual mentors, and I think now's the perfect time for it. Yeah. You know, Gary V. I've never met Gary V. Would love to, but yeah. he's not my mate. Yeah. Um, but he's bombarding you with advice if you follow his channel. Yeah, and I, you know, I seek out his advice, but also I think that. It's, it's really handy if you're a filmmaker to you know write down like top three people you really admire mm. and like seek out virtual mentorship from them go on YouTube and find obscure interviews from 30 years ago when they yeah. were just getting started uh, um, like and the George Lucas files before Star Wars totally yeah, yeah. I mean like that I, I look at that kind of stuff sometimes and it's it's kind of really really admirable and you can you, you'd be amazed how many of these you know amazing classic directors will just give away all their secrets in an interview and say like secrets Steven Spielberg I think he would, yeah. did he kidnap a, like a parking lot spot or something like that and then he set up camp in uh, Paramount Studios no way when he what? said he had an office I think it was before he did um, Jaws and he was trying to get the jewel funded and I think he just drove into up into I think it might be Paramount's picture studios he just drove up in there gave the uh, guy um on the door like $20 and he's got a park a car for one of the directors went in and he just picked, set up camp in an empty office Amazing. and he just worked there for like three months I mean obviously you couldn't do it now but 
he he understood the idea of branding and connections and uh, being in the mix and stuff like that. Totally. So one thing I wanted to uh, question I really want to ask is how do filmmakers or should filmmakers build a social media channel that pays? Social media channels is a tough one. Um, yeah. Social media channels in general don't seem to be paying like they used to. I don't think it's. I don't personally like it. The real question is like you know, kind of how can a filmmaker get paid? Um, not necessarily through a social media channel. My yeah. socials aren't great. I yeah. mean, the most popular thing I've got going on is my group. You know, my yeah. personal socials aren't really yeah. popping off or full of people because yeah. I don't really self-promote like that. I haven't really built a personal brand. But so going um, for that, like Ty Lopez or that kind of KSI kind of viewership, is that like a dead game now? It's it's not. I mean, if you want to go into a niche, but that's a full-time job as well. I mean, yeah. Ty Lopez is a bit different because his yeah. socials, all of his social growth has been paid growth. I, I admire him as well. I mean, he's a lot of people don't like him. Oh, is he buying that? So he started off, I mean, his big thing, he was on YouTube doing stuff. He had a really big TED Talk that was okay. quite famous on how he reads a book every day. Yeah. Um, and then he did his uh, Lamborghini in the garage video and paid a lot to to promote that and bump that up that kind of through the keyhole welcome to my house yeah. you just caught me eating breakfast yeah just yeah have a little walk around to my backyard where I do my work sort of thing. exactly yeah. yeah so I mean that did really well but that's so he built that up through paid promotion I mean it's not fake views but they were like pre-roll ad views oh, okay. um, whereas KSI is different because he kind of absolutely nailed and my whole thing is like pick a niche my niche yeah. in filmmaking is we make films for universities we're yeah. great at it because we're young and we do yeah. cool videos KSI's thing was always I make hilarious FIFA videos and he yeah. did it before everyone else yeah. and there's loads of niches out there that haven't been capitalised on that you know if you wanted to build a big YouTube channel you could but the thing about KSI yeah. he's not he's not a filmmaker and if you want to be a filmmaker and your goal is to win an Oscar I yeah. no, I keep coming back to that because I think yeah. that's a dope thing to want to go and do mm. but if you want to win an Oscar you can't be a KSI because KSI's filmmaking yeah. isn't it's not filmmaking it's it's social media personality I mean, that, that, that's one of the things that I think social media is fucked up just a little bit because now we're kind of crossing over the realm of uh, TV and film mm -hmm. where it's almost like um, if you've got a Ty Lopez channel, I can't remember who that blonde guy is. Who Jake Paul. Logan uh, Paul. Logan Paul. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the person becomes the brand, but the reality we're looking at is this is a TV channel about a specific person or specific product or brand or series. It's not a film where you can kind of watch it with a character arc and come out of it on the other side and say, I want to watch something different. And I think that kind of blend on YouTube of you can watch webisodes, series, TV channels, essentially about a particular brand, and if you're lucky, a film. Is that kind of a melting pot that's kind of confusing what social media can do for filmmakers? I don't think so. I think it's an interesting time because I think a completely new medium's emerged. Yeah. When you look at someone like Casey Neistat, he's yeah. probably been the best at mixing YouTubing and filmmaking. But YouTubing is basically, it's just, if you, if you think, oh, you know, YouTube's kind of messing up filmmaking, it's mm. kind of making it harder. What YouTube is, yeah. is it's just a completely new medium. It's this yeah. little pocket in between mm. reality TV and mm. short film. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's a new thing. It's, you know, you can't compare YouTubers to reality show stars you can't compare yeah. them to short filmmakers because they're their own thing and Casey Neistat's a perfect example of that because he applies filmmaking principles to yeah. YouTubing you know he is a one man film crew he films himself he tells the story the, and thing, the thing is for our listeners if there is one of them out there uh, who don't Sorry. know who Casey Neistat is he is um, 37 years old now but um, he made his name on YouTube but he actually had a program called the Neistat Brothers which I think was um an HBO or American TV series but then he did something on YouTube which was quite strange at the time which was he promised he'd make one film a day for like a year and he just ended up doing different slice of life recordings and about his skateboarding life uh, how to use a GoPro and I think he, he did he invent the unboxing as well of equipment or I'm not sure, maybe. Because yeah, he was really into that as well about I bought a new product on Amazon. Yeah. It's just come through today, unboxing it, showing how it worked, and showing everyone the gizmo in live time. Um, but yeah, Casey Neistat is um, a really interesting person. I think he was he went viral from the, the cycle in the bus lane, didn't yeah. he? And he kept running into things. Um, okay, so what do you think is um, the future for digital filmmakers? I think that. Uh, so my whole thing is kind of. You know, make money from your passion and reinvest that money into exciting projects that really get you going. I mean, my whole thing is, you know, I make 
money off of making films for universities i'm really proud of that i'm proud of the work that i do that really excites me the business side's great but you know i'm not just doing it for a laugh or to just like stack money you know i want to reinvest that money into creative projects that i want to produce you know i want to create really great work that's going to stand the test of time with the money that i'm making i want to create different kinds of things i don't know what yet you know it's not important right now right now i'm just building the business to a point where i can but doing doing sitcoms making sitcom pilots feature films all kinds of things that i want to do so my advice to people would be there's there's never been more opportunities to kind of build businesses around creative pursuits there's so many things out there there's so many different kinds of people businesses that you can deploy your filmmaking talents to for cold hard cash right now and you can take that money and you can invest it into doing whatever you want you can buy awesome kit you can spend a couple of grand making that short film that you've always wanted to make you know you can stack up 20 30k buy yourself a used red and make a whole feature film in three weeks super low budget that and you talk could about blow a red up. camera like, yeah, uh, like, like whatever model? camera. Oh, a any any camera. Any okay. But um, I guess just in general is what I'm yeah. saying is that like, you know, now is the perfect time to just like find a way of getting people to pay you for films and then spending that money, setting yourself up so you can make the films you've always wanted to make, as opposed to you know running around trying to get pitching, trying to get funding off of people, which is a big question mark. If you can turn your filmmaking into a really consistent income and a way of getting the resources you need to make your creative stuff happen. Yeah. that's to me that's that's the kind of way for the future and that's where it's going because 10 20 years ago you couldn't just set up i mean chris nolan kind of cut his teeth making corporate films and was able to apply that to his yeah. um creative stuff and i think that now is uh, the best time for doing it cool any questions class no i think that's a really inspirational thing so um would you say it's actually easier to become a filmmaker now than it was previously yeah, massively. It's so easy to become a filmmaker now. I mean, there's that big cliche that you get on film Facebook groups of, you know, buys a 5D and a lens and calls himself a DOP. But if you've got a 5D, you can make, a, you know, Canon 5D, you can make a really nice looking film or corporate camera. DSLR camera. Yeah, that's it. So, um, you know, kit's so accessible now. The only thing really stopping you is talent. Can you tell a good story? And then on top of that, you know, can you go out and find people that will let you? tell their story um, and can you get them to give you money for that you totally can and all, all you've got to do is just kind of you know get the what little resources you need and then just get out there and start getting work start getting jobs and it, it is way easier than it used to be for sure I want to use the other G word as a social media genius oh nice what is the best way to meet those other creatives what apps should we be thinking about using or social media channels should we be exploiting or to meet people to to do videos for yeah um, to do videos for and to do videos with okay okay uh well for, i mean for me facebook currently is probably the best way of connecting with people in the industry because okay. there's so many film facebook groups for getting jobs yeah. they're just a great place to meet people mm. whether or not they're the best route of actually getting work i personally mm. think is debatable i've got some articles that i've written on why applying for jobs on facebook groups mm. isn't the way to go yeah. but as far as with connecting with people yeah. building an audience and a community of filmmakers that you can work with it's perfect i mean i've built yeah. up dozens of people through you know my facebook group contacting mm. people out there you know it's how i met you how mm. it's how i'm here now so facebook definitely the best route for so that right kind now, of thing facebook is over and above a whatsapp or an instagram or yeah i think so i mean instagram up, for example yeah, I mean, I, I, I struggle with meetups just because, you know, a lot of the time you can go to meetups and it's people trying to flog you stuff. It's people okay. selling their wares, trying to, you know, who do you know for funding? Who do you know that can do this for me? Yeah. Um, whereas I think Facebook's a lot better in the sense that it's very low effort, slow yeah. involvement. So if you actually do meet someone you want to do something with, you can yeah. just chat one-on-one -on -one and meet up and look at their work. Whereas I think with some of these meetups, it's very much people flinging business cards out and, yeah. you know, one-track-minded looking for something yeah. over the top, which isn't always the most conducive for actually building a, a connection and a relationship to work on and uh, i've always thought of this phrase um keyboard jockeys like yeah. the, the people who um they fire off 150 words a minute uh on the internet but they don't actually physically turn up yeah when they when they needed to actually do something are there any kind of hold all uh cat internet catchphrases we should keep be keeping our eye out for in 2018 or 2019 internet catchphrases this is cool um 
not necessarily a catchphrase, but I think what you just touched on is interesting. I mean, yeah. I heard somebody recently describe just this current whole social media generation as Generation Flake. Okay. Because everybody wants the gas off online that they're going to this event or they're going to do this and that. Okay. And then when it comes to it, you know, you get 100 people say they're going to turn up to this meetup on Facebook. Yeah. 10, t- 10 turn up. Okay. Um, so my thing is like Generation Flake of just like, you know, don't believe it when people say they're going to do stuff. You know, yeah. only believe the hype and when you're standing there in front of somebody and they're doing okay. something for you. Cool, cool. All right, and um, I think we're all wrapped up for questions at the moment. Um, but for people who don't really know or haven't got what it is that you're trying to say, could you give us a bit of a shout out about where we can find Film Meets Business, mm-hmm. what it does, and what benefits can be got from being a member of that group? Awesome. So, Film Meets Business is a private Facebook group. Um, it's a kind of a private members club on Facebook where anybody that's in the film industry can come along, learn about business, learn about how you can actually turn your filmmaking passion into a regular income. It's all totally free advice, all written by me. I am credible on this topic because I went from earning absolutely nothing in film, really struggling, freelancing, bits and bob jobs here and there, to having a corporate film business that's turning over, you know, turned over 100k in its first year. Um, I've got full-time staff that work with me, you know, videographers, editors that are full-time working on my business, making these films, and. It's all just free advice on on how I did it, how you can get yourself set up, deploy this, you know, what skills that you have to actually build a business around yourself, how you can package yourself up so you're an attractive prospect to then go out and pitch clients, pitch businesses and say, I'm a great filmmaker, this is the kind of stuff I make and you should pay me this much to do it. And it's all just free advice, so it's a perfect place to come along. Um, Facebook.com slash group slash film meets business if you want to go and get involved. And yeah, just, just come, get on there. I'm on there. You can talk to me anytime. Feel free to comment on post, message me. I'm in there constantly chatting to people, giving advice. So it's just great stuff and it's free. So you've got nothing to lose. Thank you very much. Um, You're too kind. I really appreciated your time and letting us pick your brains for so long. Um, If you don't mind, um, we will try and mention uh, Film Meets Business and quote it in our future episodes but um, feel free to talk about us when you can but yeah once again if you're an online um, advocate or person who uses social media space and you're interested in film Film Meets Business on Facebook is a great group to kind of consider and join up to if you want to really think about going professional so uh, that has been our interview episode with Geek Sweat Um, you've been listening to Ross Lindgren uh, Dominic Stinton and Akosh both and we've been controlled by at MKH Inc Um, see you later and I've been your host uh, Trevor Jones if you're interested in listening to any more episodes feel free to google search or twitter search hashtag geeksweat that's hashtag G-E-E-K S-W-E-A-T or find out more about instigate projects via at instigateonline.com Sorry, at Instigate Online via Twitter. Over and out. Ciao for now.